tuning in to this episode of the Kick As Women podcast, in which I talk to Aliena, who is the Director and Investment Lead for Central and Eastern Europe at Luminate, the brand new organization that spun out of the Omidia Network. The Omidia Network is an impact fund, which was founded by Pierre Omidia, the founder of eBay. The goal of Luminate is to empower people and institutions to work together to build just and fair societies. In this conversation, Oliana tells me about her experience growing up in the Soviet Union, specifically in the Ukraine. She shares how the time of the perestroika was challenging and left her family with little food, and that this is the reason why she's still grateful today to her parents who have supported her chess career since she was five years old. Moreover, we of course talk about impact investment, how to invest with grants, a topic that is usually not talked about a lot, the benefits of a diverse team, and how everyone could profit from learning chess. Please enjoy this episode of the Kick-Ass Women podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Adriana. So before we start talking about startups and your path into VC investing, I would like to discuss chess because you are actually a chess master. So how did you get started playing? <laughs> Thank you so much for asking. I think it's always great to discuss my chess experience and chess past. And I was born in Ukraine at the Soviet Union time. And my grandfather was a, a chess master and chess teacher. So I actually growing up uh, seeing a lot of chess pieces, chess books. And of course, chess was so much popular in the Soviet Union. So I started to play myself at about age of five and climbed all my ways through different norms uh, in the chess Soviet system and I participated a lot in junior competitions and practically the whole of my childhood was about chess and the structure how it was done in Soviet Union is that you would have a normal school in the morning and then uh, you would have a chess school in the afternoon for the whole half a day so it was really great time a lot of good friends and a lot of interesting knowledge. That sounds super intense for a little child. I mean, you started at the age of five. So were there any times when you, for example, became a teenager, you did not like that schedule of first going to school, then going to chess school, and then I guess in the evening doing your homework and basically not having any free time? Well, I was very lucky that my family was quite liberal in this case. So I think, first of all, it was quite normal for Soviet children to do anything they could do in their free time. So we would have, I, I did also music, uh, we did also art schools. And uh, so it was kind of normal for children going somewhere besides the school. It just like for me, chess at some point became much more progressive. So I was enrolled in uh, the school for talented children. So it It took just much more energy and time on this. But also, I was, as I said, I was really lucky that my family always asked me, do you want to do this? So I was never pressed to do something if I didn't want to. And for example, uh, when I was 16, and it was a question uh, which university to enter or to progress further in chess, uh, it was for sure 
clear for my family and for myself that I do need to have a university degree, which is not connected to chess. And if I want, I can uh, continue to play chess as well. And this is usually not uh, the way how many chess players are thinking if they're good in chess, they would tend to do the professional chess career and, for example, not to obtain the university degree, which I think is, is very useful for any person, but also for chess players still to do the education in different fields and then just to see how the person can progress in other fields. So this is how I also became an economist. <laughs> Actually, I just wanted to ask you because you then started uh, studying economics and your PhD research subject was the effects of financial globalization on developing countries. Were you not tempted to stay in academia afterwards? Yes, it was also, I was quite uh, uh, engaged in my studies, I would say. So I studied economics, international economics, and also uh, in Ukraine, which gained independence at that time from Soviet Union, uh, it became also possible to apply to different scholarships to study abroad. And was really, uh, you know, like something that people would never think before going abroad, especially studying abroad. And definitely in my childhood, I would never think I would go to study in Germany or to UK. Uh, but I did, thanks to the scholarship. So I was really engaged also in all the possibilities that the new world brought to us as, as a new citizens of independent Ukraine. I also was always quite interested in mathematics and also econometrics as uh, uh, the continuation of my mathematical studies and that's how I came actually to academic sphere or researching different aspects of uh, uh, what for example applies to economic growth and especially in terms of financial liberalization and again at that time it was very interesting subject because different countries started to open borders for financial capital and it was interesting to see how positively or probably not so positively it could affect different countries. So yeah, I was very much engaged in this and I think it's kind of like my life motto to be engaged in anything I do. And I spent several years with this, but I also continued to be engaged in other activities and I combined it, for example, working at the Ukrainian Chess Federation for many years as a marketing director and also as delegate for International Chess Federation. So this kind of continuation of this chess and management path uh, also love it me probably to be uh, well to think a bit more wider than just uh, being into academia. Do you still remember the fall of the Soviet Union when you heard the news when your family and friends heard the news how, how did it feel for you? Yes, it was, as I think now, <laughs> it was, of course, a really history going on. I probably didn't realize it at that time because I was uh, about nine. But I do remember, for example, in August, uh, as we all as a family sat front of the television with all the news, uh, and of course, I didn't really realize what was about, but I just remember my family being quite uh, worried, not understanding what's going on. And of course, this, uh, this huge anecdote is a swan lake ballot for any Soviet person will forever 
uh, be of something suspicious if you see it on TV, because exactly at that time when uh, Soviet people had no idea what's going on, they had uh, uh, the Swan Lake Ballet on all over the TV stations. So I, I do remember that time, and uh, uh, yeah, and I also quite nicely remember the 90s, of course, which was a perestroika time uh, when we just had probably nothing in terms of uh, uh, any goods or a- any food even, and it was quite difficult to survive. And that's why for me it's always uh, I appreciate so much that my family progressed with my studies at that time because uh, when you don't have a lot of money or even food you still support your child during the chess competitions so yeah I think it, it was just like really amazing for the whole country to this but I was so glad I had this experience because I think all you survive makes you really stronger and understand more and yeah it's just like my history and I will remember this of course uh, forever. So before you said you did your PhD and you even studied uh, at Oxford University and finally you made your way into VC. How did that actually come about? I started to think about it when I met uh, uh, quite interesting people at some of the Aspen seminars uh, who were involved in, in VC sphere and also investments in different aspects as I had already example, some experience in, in business and also in management and non-profit, I understood that it could be interesting to look at. And I was uh, very happy to see some advertisement from Omidia Network, which is an international impact investor who were looking for a person to lead their activities in uh, Central and Eastern Europe. I had no idea about impact investing before. And uh, frankly speaking, for this part of the world, uh, uh, I live in, it's still a very new concept. How it's possible to invest in something, thinking about return, but also return in terms of social impact and or environmental impact. So I thought that it really combines a lot of my experience into one particular uh, job description and I was really glad that Omedia Network thought probably the same way so I joined it about three years ago and I'm very engaged and happy since then because uh, impact investing is really a subject that across so much of my experience but also so much needed for for Ukraine or any other countries in, in Central and Eastern Europe. And by now, you're the director and investment lead for CEE at Luminate, which is the brand new organization that's been out of the Omidia Network just recently. And in case anyone doesn't know, the Omidia Network was actually founded by the founder of eBay, Pierre Omidia. So can you maybe describe a little bit how Luminate is different from other VCs? Yes, uh, your actual outline of that quite right. We are really the brand new uh, organization of Luminate and we continue to be part of the Omidyar group. So we are still very grateful for uh, for the founder, Pierre Omidyar, of being concerned to so, so much activities that are important for, for the world in general. And Luminate concentrates on all activities that can empower people and build stronger societies, the world more responsive and, and fair place. How does then the Omidia Network or Illuminate in this case work differently? From one thing that I saw is that you don't only invest in for-profit organizations. Is that true? 
Yes, that's true. We do have all the flexibility we only can. And I think it's a huge advantage on the market. And indeed, we can do both for-profit and non-profit investments, which means it could be either the standard for-profit engagement or it could be grants for different aspects. But what we care a lot, of course, is the impact and the impact tracking. And you mentioned that you also invest in grants. Grants in the whole VC world have not the best reputation because some of the control is missing. Where is, what is your personal standing toward, towards grants? I think and really believe and really push in the idea that we need as much flexibility and capital as possible. So for us, for example, grants is not something that we for sure know about. It's a possibility to support impactful team because sometimes uh, you see there is no there is no path to do the money like in, in one year, for example, but you need to grow the market. So why not to provide some uh, grant money for impactful teams that can receive and, and do this work for you. And in these terms, I think it's really about whether uh, investors would love to engage in building the impact measurement. As I said, so for us, it's all up to investment leads to define uh, how they measure the impact and they propose this model for investment committee. And usually it's uh, really the harshest discussions and whether we track everything we want, whether we get all the learnings we want. But I I so appreciate this kind of discussions because at the end you clearly see and track what all the positiveness you will get. I think it's all about impact investing is how you define your goals and also the feedback. And I assume that, of course, for traditional VCs, it could be uh, sometimes difficult to To, to get this knowledge advance because, for example, for Omidyar Network, it took 10 years to describe all the journey in, in learnings and impact tracking. And uh, I'm sure that for Luminate, we will be even more progressed in this field and we'll be even more refining our models on this. So yeah, it all depends on engagement and how you would like to see this. Uh, but uh, from my experience, all I can see from all my experience in management, economic metrics uh, and everything, this is exactly the path where investors should, should look at to be flexible in how they can achieve their goals with different types of capital. And something that also for me, when I work with the Omidyar Network, and actually we currently have a project going on when it comes to civic startups, is what I find really fascinating is that you are super data-driven in when it comes to measuring your impact, which is maybe not very commonplace, unfortunately, yet when it comes to grants investments, for example. And I think that's definitely where you guys stand out. Exactly. And I also like that we don't have, you know, like this... Uh Well, solid borders in this field. So, you know, we always discuss it with the investors. Are you comfortable, for example, with this metrics? Are you understand how we are tracking impact? Because, for example, I, as a manager for the portfolio, I track impact on the quarterly basis even. And it's quite important for investors to understand on, on the journey. And I'm always so happy to receive the news from our investors with something they, they, they think they made a really great impact, even if it wasn't, for example, predicted at the beginning of the grant, because grant could be two years or three years. And of course, you should have a room for flexibility in discussing different uh, uh, questions as well. But generally, I think this is uh, 
Well, this is the best model when you have trusted uh, relations with your investees or grantees and uh, they always understand you and uh, uh, you understand them as well. And I, for example, also very much engaged in uh, advising or shaping agendas or strategically thinking about uh, how different markets and different countries will receive different uh, engagement because sometimes it, it shouldn't be and it couldn't be all the same approach there. So, so yeah, I, I just really enjoy all this communication and, and trusted way of cooperation. Another thing where I think Luminate is very different from other investors is if we look at the team. Because if you look at, a, take any VC, be it in the Valley or somewhere else in the world, you will find mostly, unfortunately, white males on the team, especially on the partner level. But when I looked at the team page on the Luminate website, it's actually... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fascinating how different that that picture is. If I count it correctly, you have 31 people on your team, out of which 18 are women. It's true, and we are a very diverse team, I think, and I'm very proud of this. And for me, it's, of course, a huge appreciation that I'm part of the leadership team uh, as, as, uh, as a woman coming from Ukraine, an international uh, uh, global firm. So I think uh, it just like really shows the thinking of our senior management team on how important it is to have diverse teams and actually how well, how more effective diverse teams are in terms of delivery and uh, result. And now when for your daily work of investing, how does your knowledge or your experience as a chess player help you? <laughs> Well, I get a lot of invitations to play chess. <laughs> <laughs> I still met a lot of people even in this sphere who knows me from, from chess, uh, you know, like or from chess press or uh, any chess engagements. So they would always say, oh, that's you. We should play chess for sure. I think I really uh, love all my chess experience in terms that it brings a lot of positive thinking because chess is all about winning and losing. And uh, when as a child, you go through so many different painful losses, you know, like you have... Uh, so many stories where uh, it, you had to win, for example, but then something can get wrong. But you also have the sense of winning because you should progress and you should compete. So it always brings this understanding that whenever you do in, in management career, you still can have both of ways, so winning and losing, but the game is still goes on. So I think this is always great to understand. And so, of course, everybody knows about chess as a strategic thinking uh, tool and I totally agree with this and it's actually even scientifically proved that there is a certain amount of chess lessons that would definitely build your strategic ability for both children but also for adults and uh, I think uh, it just makes sense for everyone to engage chess and from my perspective I just see how structured it helps to have uh, understanding on different challenges and, and problems. And of course, when you work with investments and you think on structuring and other terms, especially if it's forward-looking, model-building, I definitely feel uh, how chess uh, helped me in this path. 
So maybe I should pick it up then. You should actually. And I even have a tool for this, which I will be probably glad to share. So it's probably a funny story I'm glad to share. Um, I also wrote a book for children on how to play chess. So it's kind of like start a beginner kid. But it's actually uh, fiction stories where chess is incorporated into this. And it became quite popular in Ukraine. Uh, it's in Ukrainian and Russian. But uh, the side effect of this, which I never predicted, was that the mothers of the children who bought the book uh, for the children, they also read it and they also started to be engaged in chess in order to play with uh, their children. So I never expected that the funny chess stories would be popular among uh, women who would love to play with their uh, children but it came to reality. So I hope once I have the English translation of this book, I will be happy to present it to you and uh, yeah, we can play them. I saw that Luminate, if we come back to your investment activities, has up until now supported 236 organizations, which is a huge number <laughs> in 18 countries and the investment has been uh, until now over 314 million. That's so crazy. Can you maybe share some details about your most recent investment that was, was publicly shared? The one that I think could be quite resonating for many people now is actually relates to uh, the questions of natural resources management and environmental aspects, especially uh, quality of, of air. And I know that, for example, in California, it's currently a huge problem in, in this regard. So this is, a, the, for example, example of grant investments uh, that we did uh, to some civil society group in Ukraine, which is called Open Society Foundation. And they do the project in cooperation with Ministry of Natural Resources of Ukraine. So it's a huge IT uh, platform that would have all the information in uh, uh, in mapping access uh, on uh, any information that relates to environment and natural resources management, starting from the quality of water and air through the Ukrainian independence. Uh, it could be possible to uh, see any aspect in any region or any city. But it also has a huge uh, anti-corruption expert in it because it will allow to combine this information also to any economic information you can have in natural resources management. For example, how much uh, this enterprise paid uh, for, uh, for, for the ecological license or anything. So uh, we announced this project already and we are waiting for the IT platform launch already the beginning of the next year and I'm sure that it will be a huge progress in terms of both environmental aspects but also transparency and accountability field. And probably to share another example of one of our support which was also the grant recently but it also shows the diversity of different aspects we are uh, looking at it was support uh, for the Stanford uh, University Center of Democracy uh, and Rule of Law, uh, and we supported the Ukrainian Emerging Leaders Program, which is a one-year scholarship for uh, quite progressive Ukrainians who would love to come to 
the center and to work with such leaders as Francis Fukuyama on different aspects of reforms they would love to conduct when they come back to Ukraine. So it has both uh, the civic engagement aspect, but also the educational aspects of huge terms. So yeah, so I think uh, it's it's just a really good example of how the grants could uh, help to maintain different markets. And of course, what I'm looking at, and it kind of starting to be a good tradition, is of course the Seedstar Central and Eastern European Summit, which is coming up uh, in December. And I think it's a huge event for uh, for the whole region, but also for Kiev, where, where it's staged. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that it's not a new investment because we engaged for, for several years already, but it's still a great example how all engaging different types of investors, entrepreneurs, uh, civil society organization, journalists, uh, and all coming together to think of different aspects. And I really hope to talk there also about the questions we talked with you about the flexibility of capital and how it can make huge changes uh, in the world. (laughs) Thank you so much for your nice words. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our CEE Summit this year. So maybe as the very last question, if someone wants to get in touch with you to learn more about Luminate or to uh, translate your book, where would they find you? First of all, they would definitely find me and the Sister C Summit in December. But we also have all the contacts on the website. So just feel free to write and uh, uh, our team always receives all the messages. Perfect. Then thank you so much for taking the time to talking um, to me today. And I can't wait to see you in Kiev. Thank you so much, Andrana. It was really a pleasure and I'm also looking forward to it. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Kick-Ass Women podcast. If you liked it, please go to iTunes and leave a review. I know many don't realize how important that is, but I really, really appreciate it. And it helps others to find the podcast. And now have a great day and keep kicking ass. Bye-bye.